Trial by fire, an effective disaster response plan results in an efficient evacuation. Man, this fake news is wild. On this episode of Bright Future, we discuss the Hawaii wildfires, specifically the Lahaina fire, and the abysmal government response. This is a political podcast that follows current events. If you like the show, please leave a like, review, and subscribe, as well as share with your friends. Though, maybe not with a whole family gathering at once. I'm your host, Samuel Adams, but please call me Sam, and without further ado, let's begin this week's episode, which I have titled, Failure on Every Level. We have previously talked about wildfires on this show, episode 24, Welcome to Hell. However, that episode was more about the controversy surrounding the billboard in Times Square advertising Diablo 4 right as the sky turned orange. Instead, this week's episode will be about the wildfires in Hawaii and how our government is responding to it. Early August 2023, a high-pressure wind system forms north of Hawaii. At the same time, Hurricane Dora created a low-pressure cyclone to the southwest of Hawaii. August 6th, 2023, the National Weather Service identifies a region of dry air arriving from the east. Combined with a high-pressure system from the north and a low-pressure system from the south, very dry air begins whipping across the island chain. Early morning, August 8th, these high winds meet the coastal town of Lahaina. At this point, the dry air is streaking along at almost 80 miles an hour, which happens to be nearly double the wind speed that most utility poles are rated to withstand. Normally, in a situation like this, the power company would temporarily turn off any suspended power lines. This way, if they get knocked down, they won't start grounding power out of the grid or light any very dry vegetation on fire. Despite that the island of Maui had a wildfire risk of high, Hawaiian Electric Industries decided not to turn off the power, but did notify citizens that their power lines may be disrupted by the wind. In other words, they expected that their power lines might be knocked down, but did not even attempt to mitigate the risks associated with such an incident. Naturally, that is exactly what happened. A power pole snapped, sparked a bushfire, and the fire quickly grew to cover three acres before it was discovered and reported at 6.37 a.m. on August 8th. Evacuations were ordered in the surrounding area and the fire department responded, and by 9 a.m. the fire was announced to be fully contained. It was not. As the 80-mile-per-hour winds continued, the fire flared up again and spread far too rapidly to contain. Within minutes, hundreds of homes were ablaze. Residents identifying this rapidly increasing danger attempted to drive away while surrounded by flames. Firefighters attempting to at least slow down the spread found their hoses failing as melting pipes in houses burst and leaked, resulting in the network losing pressure, even though there were plenty of backup generators pumping the flow. As the fire continued to spread, more and more residents attempted to drive away, but instead encountered either miles-long traffic jams or inaccessible roads due to fire damage. At 5.45 p.m., barely an hour after the initial bushfire reignited, the fire reached the shoreline. The United States Coast Guard was notified that survivors, after getting trapped in the traffic, left their cars and leapt into the ocean to avoid the flames. Later, many of those survivors told journalists that they had received zero warning of the flames and imminent threat until they had literally seen the flames and smoke with their own eyes. 
When it was finally out, the Lahaina fire burned 2,170 acres, or 3.3 square miles, and destroyed 2,200 buildings, 86% of which were residential buildings, homes, and apartments. As of August 12th, uh, the death toll was at 111. As of today, it's 114. Another 1,300 people are still missing. All because a utility company decided to leave the power on. Now, I live in Nebraska, which is about the opposite of Hawaii's you can get environment-wise. I'm not sure if this same tactic would work in Hawaii, but why are the power lines not underground? While this does make them somewhat harder to service, it also completely prevents them from being able to fall over and light things on fire. This is rather important here in Nebraska because you don't want farmers' fields catching on fire or tornado being able to tear a whole line out. Underground lines do cost about three times as much, and it is harder to reroute or change the line after it's installed, but it does also need significantly less maintenance. It's a high initial cost, but for more long-term savings. Also, 111 people wouldn't now be dead as a result, just in case you needed a cherry on top. This is a failure of design, which happened before and also caused this disaster. After the disaster, survivors reported something very strange. They were first made aware of the fire, danger, and need to evacuate because they saw the flames. They were not made aware in any other way, no mobile alerts, radio messages, or television alerts, not even sirens. Quote from Herman Andaya, the Maui County Emergency Management Agency Administrator. Had we sounded the siren that night, we were afraid that people would have gone to the mountainside. Sirens are typically used for tsunamis, in which residents are trained to seek higher ground, and if that was the case, they would have gone into the fire. So instead of sounding the sirens, emergency alerts were sent via phone, radio, and television. Reports indicate that by the time those alerts were going out, large parts of Maui and all of Lahaina did not have power or cell signals due to the winds and fires. And that breaking news first at four. The head of Maui's emergency management agency is stepping down a day after defending his decision to not use the emergency sirens as an out-of-control wildfire engulfed Lahaina. Citing health reasons, Herman Andaya submitted his resignation, which is effective immediately. Again, I live in Nebraska, so the environment and topography are very different than Hawaii. But we do also have emergency sirens. Not for tsunamis, of course. Those are pretty rare here. Instead, they're used for other emergencies, typically tornadoes, which can come from any direction. So when you hear a siren here in Nebraska, we aren't trained that that siren is for something specific, but instead that the siren is warning that there is some form of imminent threat and to identify it and determine what to do from there. Specifically, Maui's county website has a frequently asked questions page. What should I do when I hear the emergency management agency sirens? If you hear the outdoor warning siren, turn your radio to one of the following local radio stations for information. If you're turning on your radio, listen for emergency information and instructions. Take the necessary protective actions as directed, and keep tuned for further information and instructions. According to this, residents are not trained to run for the mountains like Herman and Daya said, 
and instead, this trains residents to tune a radio to receive information and instruction. This allows the county to quickly and effectively deliver all the necessary details of a disaster to its citizens and coordinate their responses. For example, your citizens hear the alarm and tune their radios to one of the local radio stations. The radio station is playing the following message. This is an emergency alert for citizens of Lahaina City. A fire is spreading from the west towards the coastline. If you are between Lanai Parkway and Mylana Street, use Kanai Road to evacuate towards Highway 30 and head north. If you are between Highway 30 and Front Street, there is a traffic jam to your north. Instead, evacuate towards the south. This message will now repeat. A system like this would allow you to not only quickly and effectively coordinate a mass evacuation with no notice, but would also relay information to first responders about any issues that the evacuation is running into, like that traffic jam. But this system only works if you use the sirens in an emergency situation, because that's what they were made for. Instead, this was a failure to follow your own disaster process during a disaster. Naturally, a disaster of this scale is going to require a federal response. To show how much they were doing to help out, the Biden-Harris administration released a fact sheet on the WhiteHouse.gov website, which I have linked in the description. In the Lahaina City Fire, 12,700 citizens at least were displaced. These are the people who live in Lahaina City, those who no longer have a home, job, school, or likely anywhere else to go. What is our federal government doing to help these people? Let's go down the numbers on their fact sheet real quick. Quote, There are almost 500 federal personnel deployed in Maui to assist residents in their greatest time of need. For more context, that is one person in federal assistance per 25 citizens displaced. I'm not sure that's adequate. Quote again, As fire containment efforts continue, FEMA and its federal partners continue response efforts. FEMA has deployed more than 140 urban search and rescue personnel who have integrated with the Maui Fire Department to help conduct rescue operations. An estimated 1,300 people are still missing. This means that these federal workers will need to find about nine of those missing people each. Quote, FEMA has provided 50,000 meals, 75,000 liters of water, 50,000 cots, and 10,000 blankets and shelter supplies to the county government for distribution. 50,000 meals provided equates to four meals per person in the last 10 days since the fire began. I know that in a situation like this, three square meals a day is very unlikely. Heck, at this point, I don't even eat, eat, I don't even eat three meals a day normally. But they should be getting at least one per day. 75,000 liters of water equates to 6 liters per person for the past 10 days. About a fifth of how much they should be getting normally. But these people just went through a massive fire and are also probably working hard in search and rescue efforts. That means they'll need more than that. 5,000 cots mean that they have about 2.3 people to share a single cot. 10,000 blankets mean that only four out of every five people actually get one. These 12,700 people have had their entire lives upended in a single hour. Everything they ever owned destroyed. How is our government going to help them get back on their feet? Quote again from the fact sheet. 
FEMA has also authorized critical needs assistance, which provides a one-time payment of $700 per household to applicants who are displaced from their homes and have critical needs. Here's a little bit of a tangent. In high school, I took a survival course. This was easily my favorite class. We got to light fires in the parking lot by rubbing sticks together or by using flint and steel. So I paid a lot of attention to this class. We learned something called the rule of three, and this rule states that you can survive three minutes without oxygen, three hours without shelter, three days without water, and three weeks without food. Notice that the shelter is the second most important item on this list. It's even more important than water. Largely, that pertains to situations with very high or very low temperatures, and can be as something as simple as a tarp or proper clothing, though it should definitely be something of higher quality in order to better protect yourself. In addition to the protection from the elements, a quality shelter will also provide psychological benefits, which is another reason why it's so important in that rule. No point in trying to worry about that three-day water limit if you're too depressed or pessimistic to even make it to day three. All of this leads up to my point. Do you really believe that a one-time $700 check will be able to buy these people, who have lost everything, a quality shelter and, by extension, the will to keep going? But not to worry, if $700 isn't enough, I've got one more quote for you. The Small Business Administration has dozens of staff on the island and has begun making low-interest federal disaster loans available to to Hawaii businesses, homeowners, renters, and nonprofits. Hold on, let me get into infomercial mode. Has your entire life been destroyed? Has everything you've ever owned been turned to rubble? Did you have to run for your life as everything you've ever known burned and crumbled to ash around you? Just take out one of our low-interest loans. Quote again, interest rates can be low as 4%, with terms up to 30 years. And these aren't even guaranteed. Loan amounts and terms are set by the Small Business Administration and are based on each applicant's financial condition. This response is woefully inadequate. The $700 payment might have been enough to help these citizens if this was 1923, not 2023. One final quote from the fact sheet. The first sentence reads, the Biden-Harris administration has mobilized a robust whole-of-government response effort to support the immediate and long-term rescue and recovery efforts in Maui, Hawaii. My disappointment is immeasurable, and 12,000 people's lives have been ruined. This is a failure to follow up and provide proper relief after a disaster. In conclusion, this disaster is a failure on every level. It's a failure of design and long-term planning. The power lines, which caused this disaster. This was a failure to respond and properly follow disaster protocol, which resulted in the disaster being far worse, with significantly more casualties than were necessary. And lastly, the federal government response is a failure to provide proper and adequate assistance in the wake following such a disaster. If we do not majorly overhaul our disaster preparation, in response and follow through, we are not going to have a bright future. I think I've talked enough, so if you would like to share your own perspective or think I overlooked an important fact, I'm opening the floor to listeners to comment, which I see there.
which I see there. Fire says, I just lost my job because the building I worked out of was burned down. Will you give me a loan? Nope, better luck next time. Well, there is a loan, but it's set based on each applicant's financial condition, and they can be as low as 4%, with terms up to 30 years long. I'm assuming that means if you're in perfect financial condition, but what about the people who aren't? Pretty bad. Almost oh, asking. Minor detail, but there are different siren signals. Oh yeah, here in Nebraska there are right, there are different siren signals to let us know what's going on. And they advise us to tune to radios, and Maui County does too, advises their citizens to tune to radios. So if something does happen, we know to tune to a radio to figure out what's happening and how to keep it going. I'm just, this is not a good response. It shouldn't have even happened in the first place. If they had, even if they had just simply turned off the power to the power lines, but they didn't even do that. If they had buried the power lines, which sure is more expensive in the short term, but in the long term, from a financial aspect, Turning off or burying the power lines means they're much lower maintenance. And also, in case that's not enough for you, it would have saved 114 people's lives. Most of which, by the way, they can't identify. The fires burned them too much to be able to identify these victims. I think I have talked enough, so if you'd like to share your own perspective or think I overlooked an important fact, feel free to leave a comment or review. If you would like to share your own perspectives on other topics in the future, please join our Discord server where I record these episodes live, linked in the description. Also in the description is more information, including the resources I used to build this episode, and all of the places where you can find my podcast. If you would like to support the show, please follow and subscribe, leave a like or review, as well as share with your friends. Thank you for listening to this episode of Bright Future. These episodes are released following current events. To check back regularly for the new episodes. Not sure on the limitations, but underground power lines are posing issues level of certain areas. Uh, I did mention that. Um, I'm not sure how different the topography would affect that. But in that case, even if they don't want to bury them, just turn them off when something is coming. And they didn't do that.